WBT Productions presents Hashruba, Episode 1, Hidden Kingdom, Part 1. In the mountainous regions of Caucasia, in a time long ago, there existed the great kingdom of Hashruba. It was a secluded place, nestled deep in the Caucasus Mountains, a place where mortals were forbidden to enter. Wizards, magicians, and their like existed within, cut off from the legion of humans bent on conquering all that stood before them. Great ivory walls, visible to Hashrubians, invisible to humans, guarded them from the affairs of such men. Men like Khosrow, considered the greatest king of Persia, who was at war with the Roman Emperor Justinian. These were indeed the shadows of the times. Something like this had never before happened, thought the fledgling wizard. Such a being to be within the royal halls, impossible. And yet, there it was. At first glance, there appeared to be nothing unremarkable about the creature. It was humanoid of average size and weight. But as it passed down the hall toward the wizard, its features changed. Its skin began to melt away, but only so much that it soon appeared akin to a shroud of flesh draped over a walking skeleton. The wizard could not look away even as the thing drew closer until it was but a few yards away. 
you. What are you? I belong. Not here. Not in the halls of Hashuma. It reached for him, the withered flesh hanging from its skeletal arm. It was then the wizard chose to act. He raised his arms above his head, his elbows bent, allowing a small gap between his hands. He mumbled something too low to understand, then clapped his hands. A wave of movement shot through the hallway. It was as if everything had been shoved forward, including the thing. It staggered back and yet remained upon its feet. Impossible. The spell had been too weak. He was inexperienced, untested in this type of casting. It was then he began to feel something he had never felt before. Fear. Stay back! I said stay back! Fear was not something one felt in the halls of the Hashrubian Palace. The wizard gripped his weapon. A small dagger tucked inside his belt. A silent prayer passed through his mind. Just before he launched himself at the creature, he dug the blade deep into its stomach. Drew it upward in an effort to eviscerate the thing. But as the blade sank into the sagging flesh, it slipped from his hand and seemed to disappear within it. What was this thing? thought the wizard. He had known about the place such creatures were placed. Impossible. This was his final thought to enter his mind. as the creature tore his head from his body. Advisor Kopala stood over what remained of the creature. This was some time later, following not only the creature's death, but the death of two others, both palace guards, alongside the novice wizard. He tore his head away like 
Nothing. The strength. How did it make it pass through the guards? Acolyte Koba stood a few feet away as Kopala examined the gruesome scene that lay before them. He knew better than to offer aid unless asked. It only took once for him to learn this lesson. Kopala was a hard man. No one is to approach the king in this matter. Make sure of it. The creature's body lay only a short distance from the slain guards. Both of them had been nearly torn to pieces. Who amongst you witnessed the crime? All who have seen this are dead, master. Unfortunately, very little seemed to be known of the individual. The bodies of the creature and the guards were discovered as they were now but no one was found to claim victory over the creature, and that disturbed Kopala greatly. It is everyone's duty to keep the kingdom protected from intruders. Fail at this again, and there will be consequences. You are all Hashruba's servants. Do not become her enemy. Koba felt Kopala's stare like raging fire upon his face. He looked down as if to seek forgiveness. Kopala remained a moment longer, glancing about the hall, his gaze touching upon each and every one present. And then... Our business is done here, Koba. He turned. marching off in the direction of the royal chair. This would be the moment it began. But the darkest was yet to come. For most, the Chamber of Magic was nothing more than a library, a vast collection of texts, scrolls, and the like. But for those who were with one with the forces that lived within Hoshruba, it was something entirely different. Not in terms of appearance, but in terms of effect. It cast a web of power upon an individual. The chamber door opened. An older, unassuming man entered. He closed the door, locked it. This was the keeper of the chamber, Luca. 
Looking down, he moved to the center of the room. He closed his eyes, then raised up his head. His mind drifted amongst the planes of consciousness. He was searching for something. And so there he stood, rigid, his breathing shallow. At first, what seemed to be a whisper drifted through the room. A whisper that grew from one into many. Luca drew in a deep breath. His eyes opened. The whispering stopped. A large buck stood before him. They stared into each other's eyes. Luca drew forward. The buck kept its ground. He reached for the animal his hand but inches from its head. A large arrow flew from the shadows, its aim cast upon the buck. The arrow missed its mark, causing the animal to bolt. Luca turned to the direction of the arrow. Then it appeared, a male human, young, a warrior. And then it was gone.
Impossible, thought King Batraz wise. Not in the time since the beginning of his rule had something like this occurred. A dweller of the dark forest inside Hoshruba. The very nature of the kingdom would have made this an incredible feat, one that the Forgotten Ones were incapable of performing. Its walls kept them safe as they were invisible to all but those who dwelt within the kingdom. And if not for that, then the fact that the power that flowed through the entirety of Hoshruba would never have allowed such a thing. It wasn't that they were without power, each retained some residual magic. They were, after all, born of Hashruba. But as to the measure of such power, insignificant. There was but a single being that the king thought capable of such a task. At least, he was once capable. But his banishment into the human world such power would have been beyond him. His brother, Sosuruko, he paid dearly. The king moved to the center of the room. Before him lay a pool of water. It was of moderate size, the water clear. Other than that, it was unremarkable. He kneeled, a task not as easy as it once had been, given his 500 years of age. closed his eyes, and lay his hands into the pool. The water remained still. In fact, all had taken on an almost eerie silence. It lasted for a time before the king opened his eyes. They were full of water, or rather, they had become water. Tell me, spoke the king. The water began to reshape itself as if it were something solid. Slowly, it formed an image, a gentle stream surrounded by a bountiful forest. Serenity, thought the king, something which was unremarkable within the world of humans. At the stream's edge, someone fishing. 
He seemed at one with the environment, a fact inconsistent with his nature. It was Sosruko. The king had enabled himself to be aware of his brother's location, as well as activities at all times. His brother had been given every consideration as one born into royalty. Even when in his youth, it had been determined his nature was determined to be one fit for the evil wizards of the Rubahali. But instead of being cast out, he remained inside the kingdom. It was hoped, one supposed, that his exposure to the goodwill of its people might have changed him. But this had not happened. In fact, the choice to keep him amongst the people led to Hashruba's darkest times. Hello, brother. Sosruko, he continued to fish, changing nothing about his person other than a slight smile. Is there something that you wish of me? The king pulled his hands from the water returning it to its natural shape. The king began to rise, but the effort was too rushed and he found himself back upon his knees. He took a breath, opened his eyes. Even now, after all this time, the sight of his brother disturbed him. This was a feeling of which he could never rid himself. This was perhaps his greatest failure as a king. For such a feeling placed him in a position of weakness against his brother a feeling of fear. Princess Bedisa knew something was wrong almost immediately. How could one not, she thought. My lady, is it true? What was found in the hall? Do not be afraid. Hashruba will protect us. 
And although her father gave his usual obsequious response to her inquiries, she knew it had something to do with her uncle. But then again, it always had something to do with her uncle. By now, she knew all about his attempts to take the throne, as well as his subsequent banishment. She was the rightful heir. This was a phrase she was to become very familiar with as the years passed. Not only from her father, but from most everyone she encountered with Hashruba. She turned to the fountain of water which lay near the far wall. Mostly decorative, it also proved a very useful tool when it came to her magical practice. By now, she had proven herself dangerously skilled in generating constructs from its essence. Weaponized constructs both as durable and lethal as the real thing. But her power extended even further as she was able to duplicate anthropoids. If not for their obviously water-like appearance, they might easily pass for their living counterparts. She continued to gaze into the fountain's waters. She felt as if she could see each drop of water as it rose from the ground reaching its apex above, then tumbling back onto the dampened stones at her feet. She was ready to take her father's place if need be. She knew this, but did she want it? This question, she knew, was one she would ponder on seemingly every day of her 16 years. On one hand, she felt a distaste from having her future dictated for her. On the other hand, what other choice did she have? Humans, forgotten ones, and the evil wizards of the Rubahali. None of these were as noble or enlightened as her Hashruba brethren. And yet, she broke away from the fountain. Enraged at her inability to cease these repetitive thoughts,
She could have a thousand more options, yet there would still be only one choice. She was the Princess Badisa, and one day she would be Queen Badisa. And when that day came, she must be ready. For although her father would not say, she knew danger was close upon them. But she could always dream. It was one thing no one could take from her. Outside of Hashruba, in lands kept separate by its invisible walls, someone schemed. They looked upon those known as humans, further from the wizards in most every way. They were divided into different tribes, east, west, and south. It was the southerners that brought about the most interest. Chaos reigned in their lands. Sakar clan, led by Abu Talib, had been rising to power through a series of calculated attacks on various towns and villages. And he would not stop there. He had set his sights even further to the other kingdoms, specifically the Sassani Empire. He would not be satisfied until he stood above all as supreme ruler of the human lands. All this bloodshed won't be in vain. One day, your offspring 
will inherit a land they can call their own. When? When will that day come? In our lifetime. But only if you are strong enough to stay alive to see it. Such a person, thought the schemer, was ripe for exploitation. The promise of power beyond his understanding would be something Abu Talib would not refuse. Power that would be used to smash through the walls of Hashruba and bring about the destruction of all King Batraz held dear. And then there were the forces of the Rub Akhali. Wizards born of Hashruba, but exiled behind the Wall of Flames. These wizards were not like their brethren. The alignment of all those born of Hashruba were detected upon the age of 13 a ceremony known as the sighting, which would reveal one's nature to be of good or evil. It was the latter that made up the Rub Ahali. Long ago, it was decided that their kind would be sent away so as not to affect those who sought only harmony and there would remain any contact with their homeland forbidden. But this was not to be the solution Hashruba hoped for. For rather than kill the rabbit dog, Hashruba chose to cage it, and cages could be broken. Hashruba and the Rub Akhali, good and evil, and between them, humans. They were but pieces upon a grandmaster's chessboard, a grandmaster who was determined to win at all cost. On the next episode... Along a lush green roadway rides Cass from Haran, a captain with the Arab forces. Riding alongside were Kardar and Asim. They were Arabian soldiers under the leadership of Abu Talib. We must go back, Captain. We will keep on looking until we find it. That's what hunters do. Stop! It is an elk like no other he had ever seen. Cass and the elk ride side by side. He reaches for an arrow, and then... Cass is thrown from the saddle as Badr comes to a sudden halt. With horror, he sees that Badr's front leg has broken. He removed his dagger from its sheath. Forgive me! 
it is done. The ground began to shake. Run! A man of abnormal height cast looked to see the two-headed axe gripped tight within its gigantic fingers. I will kill you! He raised his sword as the giant came into view. It lashed out with his axe. He flew back and over the edge of the cliff. He fell and landed hard into the waters below. Icy cold, Cass's limbs seized while its raging force sent him hurtling downstream. This has been Hoshruba, Episode 1, Hidden Kingdom, Part 1, created by WBT Productions, written by Brent Beebe, produced by Farouk Shah Khan, directed by Elio Rep Hernandez, sound mixer and sound editor Elio Rep Hernandez, sound recordist Jensen Young, sound mixer, post sound, and sound editor for credits Sophie Huang. Narrated by Darren Johnson, voiceover artists, Nima Yazdani as Cass, Joe Barcelone as the Talking Torch and the Giant, Nabil Awad as Asim and Kader. Extra voices by Stephanie Garrido. Credits voice by Steve Gray. Stay tuned for Hoshruba, Episode 1, Hidden Kingdom, Part 2.